0: I'm Jake Harrison of Hello EV and you're listening to Beyond the Numbers. The world
1: is warming up, science tells us the ice caps are melting and sea levels are set to rise dramatically due to the level of carbon dioxide we emit into the atmosphere. We are witnessing more and more natural disasters as a consequence and an entire ecosystems are already said to have been wiped out. Whilst travel, and specifically the car, has been traditionally seen as a symbol of our freedom, unfortunately it is both light duty and heavy duty vehicles that make up the lion's share of carbon dioxide emissions. Much of the blame game can be quite political in nature and many seeing capitalism with how it feeds consumer behavior and specifically consumption as the major culprit. But the innovation of capitalism is likely to hold the solution and the gradual adoption of electric vehicles could be a significant contributor. In fact businesses have their part to play in all of this. Many owner-managers will be interested to hear that there are plenty of financial incentives and benefits to switch company cars and fleets away from petrol and diesel fuel. That's why folks for this episode of Beyond the Numbers I spoke to Jake Harrison of Hello EV on why businesses should get in on the act as we approach the turning point that is the mass adoption of electric vehicles. Hi, Jake. Thank you for joining me. Now, in the last fortnight, we have had Greta Thunberg in front of the United Nations, giving a big speech about potentially the end of humanity. <laughs> uh, a bit of finger pointing in there uh, and saying that uh, certain people will not be forgiven. I have to wonder maybe if that slightly misses the point, uh, because we see net population growth, I understand, of about 100 and 50 people per minute on the planet. So, obviously, humanity faces a bit of a challenge, and Greta was maybe a little bit, um, how can I put it, anti-capitalist, maybe, in her speech? (laughs) Yeah. But actually, having had you on our blog for a guest post, Mm. what you're kind of saying is actually, businesses kind of do have the solution in the form of potentially green policies and, in particular, electric vehicles.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some solutions out there. Yeah. Not the, not the solution to every single issue. Yeah. But it can definitely help the transport issue. That we
1: yeah. Have today. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the some of the biggest pollutants, if I'm correct, are actually heavy-duty vehicles. Yes. And then light-duty vehicles, which would yes. be your car, my car, company yeah. cars, that kind of thing. So if she's citing anything obviously it's that mm. um i don't know if businesses can sort the 150 people per minute issue yeah it definitely has a <laughs> but certainly thing, yeah. our, our consumption habits our travel habits may be where it's at now clearly electric vehicles have been made possible through the use of batteries yes our petrol car starts on a battery mm. it starts on it can you, can you sort of enlighten us as to what exactly the development is in terms of batteries yeah. that makes today's electric vehicle and the electric vehicle of the future possible?
0: Yeah. So it's quite a funny one actually. Electric cars have maybe been around since the beginning of the 20th century. And even you could argue some developments in the 19th century. So they've been around for a while along with the introduction of electricity. Uh, the thing that then held them back for a period is uh, Ford just beat them on the production cycle of economies of scale rolling out vehicles quickly, as well as oil producers finding cheaper forms of oil in like some parts of the USA, some parts of um, the Middle East. So sort of developments allowed petrol and diesel vehicles sort, sort of roll ahead from about 1910 onwards. Yeah. What we've then seen in the subsequent, I'd say like 20ish years, people have every now and then had like General Motors and others have dabbled in electric vehicles. So I think there's, there's been like one-off models in like the 70s, the 80s, but again, nothing that came through. But yeah, then about the big turning point, I'll say, is from about early 2000s onwards, you began to saw Nissan and Renault begin to release two models, the Zoe and the Leaf. So 2007 was the introduction of the Nissan Leaf, which is still the best selling model today, although some other models are catching up. The reason being for this is just the developments in battery technology. You can just drive a lot further than you used to be able to drive on a battery. So back in the 70s, 80s, 90s trials, I think they were only between 40 to 60 miles on a single charge. Today, some of the models, I think the average mm-hmm. range on a single charge, so if you get it up to 100% charged, it can be 202 out of all the 2019 models available today. So there's about 60 plus models that you could buy that right. are electric vehicles to, as of now. Right. And they're predicting, I think, about 215 as of the end of 2021 okay. when the manufacturers enter the electric vehicle space. Yeah. And then, So I think there's a whole batch of things that just... Cobalt and nickel, the things that are used to help create lithium-ion batteries are much more. So, cobalt and nickel, the extraction
1: mm-hmm. has
0: just developed a lot more. So, there's a lot more of that on the market. Right. So, that's allowed batteries. So, I think this is coincided with the development of smartphones, laptops, all these other things. So, it's linked? Yeah. So, those type of batteries is essentially the same batteries in your smartphone. Right. It's just on a much larger scale. So, it's about so li- lithium-ion batteries. Yes. Correct? Right. But it's, they've put it in a vehicle, and, sort of, and it's more cells packed into a. obviously they've got more space to play with than a pocket-sized thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so it's similar developments have allowed all this to happen. Okay. Coincidentally, as well as brought the materials to market that have allowed the batteries to be developed. Okay. It's been quite, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so how many
1: electric vehicles roughly in the UK market in terms of models available?
0: So as of 2019, I'd say 60. 60 at the moment? Yeah. Okay, and I'm so it's. i predicting 215. Not 25. just Tesla, because
1: everybody no, is really okay with Tesla. Yes. It's got good brand recognition, right? 100%. And, and a yep. huge amount of quality car yes. reviews, great quality car, very expensive. Yeah. Uh, but they've, they've been almost like the first. Yeah. Into a particular space of the market, yeah. luxury, being both luxury and yeah. electric. Yes. And do they still lead the way in terms
0: of distance on the battery and that kind of thing? I would say if you can afford it, it depends on the make and model you buy. So yeah. if you're the S and the X, which are sort of their premium less, range. Less, yeah. Yes. And then if you buy their like premium range versions of those, because yeah. The long range ones, they're far out and ahead. But again, you need to have between eighty thousand to hundred twenty thousand pounds to achieve that. Yeah. a significant sum or a high lease cost yes. per month yes. um, <laughs> but having said that there are now models available for a lot cheaper like the latest Renault Zoe can do 252 miles really? at on, one year, on one single charge and then as well as the latest Nissan Leaf can do about 230 miles and then there's of course the Jaguar I-Pace Indeed, that yes. sort of another luxury vehicle that's come through but that can claim to do 290 miles on a single charge and the Audi e-tron I think just under that Okay, so if we, look again, at, we'll, if we look at the Jaguar I-Pace, the Audi yeah. what sort of prices are they roughly? Again, they're out? still in the heavy, I think like roughly between 60000 to £70,000, still okay. the luxury high end. And then and you mentioned the Renault, Zoe and the Nissan Leaf yes. are more the lower models. So, yeah. Yeah. so might, today yeah, so depending on the spec and the fit out you get, it's probably, it's going to be between twenty five to 35000 on okay. upfront cost, but yeah. there is as a result of new models coming to market, you could go back and get an older model because those models have now been going, the Teslas, the Nissan, the Renault since about 2010, 2011. Yeah. So you can get some of the older models now for about seven, 8,000 second hand. But of course they'd have a lower range because the battery wouldn't be as developed as the more up-to-date model. Right, So we'll come, to admit, come to that in a minute. come to that in a minute. Very interesting point. Yeah. So
1: what you're saying is actually you can now get a electric vehicle for The same sort of price as its petrol equivalent, equivalent in terms of going to the market, you know, new on the market.
0: But oh, yeah, so in terms of 20,000, so yeah, yes, so you buy petrol and diesel vehicles at yeah. 20 to 30,000 so, pounds. So they're very similar price, yeah. And we'll come to it later
1: in terms of running costs, which is yeah. the big advantage for electric vehicles. We'll, yes, we'll cover that shortly. Okay, so you can buy upfront cost is pretty similar for a new car,
0: yeah, it's a petrol equivalent. Okay, and then you make another re-
1: really interesting point there that I'll pick up on is that quite a few of these electric vehicles you're saying have been going since roughly about 2011 some of the earlier models. Yes, 100%. And presumably in the case of Tesla yeah. or one or two of the earlier others, those leases may be coming to an end yeah so therefore they might represent quite good value on the second-hand market
0: yeah unfortunately the electric vehicle second-hand market has been a bit of a funny one okay it's been there's so much maybe not (laughs) yeah there's been so much demand in the second-hand vehicle market that the for electric vehicles that they they're snatched up very quickly so there's a very high demand but unfortunately the the supply is beginning to match it but still not yet so it depends how quick you are to notice there's one on the market and then just quickly take it off before someone else tries to outbid you for that model Right, And it depends on what make and model you're after. But yeah. there are some, some do, good deals can be had, but in other instances, some people are actually getting very good... What, well, second hand values for that? Yeah, so they're selling so, their vehicle well yeah. in the second hand space for an actual vehicle, because the demand is so high there. Because not a lot of people can afford that front price, but they still want an EV. So a lot of people are searching in the second hand space. Right. But afford, like you're saying, a lot of leases are beginning to end. There's now been yeah coming up to a 10-year period where we've seen Nissan leave the first Tesla on the market so hopefully that'll be the third cycle of leases there'll be more and more second-hand vehicles coming to market hope that will further bring this well help the supply meet the demand in the second hand market and then bring prices down when really, that happens yeah more, yeah more reasonable costs exactly words I was
1: looking for yeah. <laughs> so I can't just Well, if I was a business owner, or for my own self personally, I can't just jump into the market right now and go, oh, there's a second-hand Tesla
0: going for a great price. The demand is just too great at the moment. You can definitely find offers, but yeah, you just need to be searching. Wary that you're buying a second-hand car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You just need to be quick to snatch them up. And I guess that that's that's relevant to the next
1: question I have, is that obviously batteries... Many of us will know from using rechargeable batteries at home, Yes, that they're great, but the more you have to mm. recharge them, so they gradually use the, lose their sort of capacity of to how much they yeah. can store. Is that correct? Yeah. Sort of, no, it's almost like correct. a leak, but yeah.
0: however it is, the… Yeah. So battery degradation. Indeed. That's, That's exactly what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. Yes. So it degrades over time. Does that
1: apply to electric cars, or have they solved that yet?
0: So it's been a funny one, actually. They, they thought it would harm the car a lot more than it has. Okay. So with Renault, Nissan, Tesla, the three firms that have been on the market more than the others, they all thought the degradation would be a lot worse than it has. Yeah. So they've, some Teslas that are eight years old, some Nissans that are eight years old, some Renaults that are eight years old are doing a lot better than the predictions would have said eight years ago. Okay. So I think Renault, I went for them a few weeks ago, they said the city council have a light like commercial electric Renault Kangoo van, so it's got a 33 kilowatt battery in it, and it's, they've had it for six years now. That's it's, Oxford City Council, is that right? No, that was Southampton City Council, oh, right. okay. sorry for yep. that confusion. They okay. have a light commercial vehicle that's a 100% electric Renault Kangoo, um, the battery degradation has only been 7%, and they thought by this period, because it's quite heavily utilised by the City Council in Southampton, right? they thought it would have gone down a lot worse. Okay. So that's been quite an interesting learning curve. The other thing, there was a recent report. Earlier this year, in about April, May time, Nissan claimed that their, from their tests, their batteries are actually going to be roadworthy from a leaf for eleven years, and then they then they still think there's an eleven year period after that where they can still be used for things such as battery management storage linked to solar panels. Right. So this helps you collect power from the sun. Yeah, to to charge it up. And then you can use it at times when, when there isn't sun. So say it's a very sunny day, but you're not in the house to be able to make the most of that sun generating electricity. You can store it in a battery pack in your home yeah. and then charge your car at night, charge your car in a winter month when there's not as much sun through right. the system. So what their solution might be, they're claiming that after this 11 year period if you own a Nissan Leaf, they're going to try and like sell you that battery pack so you can then put it into your home and think about linking it to a, a, so a solar panel system.
1: On your roof. Yeah. So in effect I'd be, to charge my car, Yes. I'd be charging another battery. Yeah. To charge the battery in my car yes. through the sun yeah. through, and solar panels. Yeah. Oh, fascinating.
0: And that okay. would again help reduce your paint per kilowatt hour cost. Indeed. Which yeah. is how you're going to pay for an electric car if you can also charge yeah. it at home. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's fascinating. Okay. Yeah. So there's all sorts of ways of doing this yeah. with batteries. Come all sorts of new potential, potential yeah. solutions to the energy issue and yeah. use of energy particularly in cars we need cars this is, yeah. this is what was maybe slightly missing in the United Nations you know a fortnight ago it's yeah. all well saying doing the blue but we need vehicles to travel around to do business transport goods yes. exactly yeah. and actually you need that to come up with solutions for bigger issues like the environment yeah. so electric vehicles are in many ways part of the solution businesses can embrace them and there's yeah. all sorts of ways of charging them up and powering yep. your
0: motor vehicle in the future.
1: How long does it take to charge a battery, please?
0: So that's a very good question. There's a few factors there. Right. So it depends on the size of the battery in the car. Right. So Teslas have a, for example, have a larger battery pack in there right. than a Nissan Leaf, and that's is. what allows them to go further. Right. So that then takes longer to fill up. And then if you're doing it at a low charge rate, such as one at your home. So let's say if you installed a, a charge point with the electric vehicle home charge grant that the government can offer you yes um, so that allows you to put in a charge point in your home of like 7.4 kilowatts per hour and that can roughly charge your car in about three to four hours if you begin to go out and about and go to petrol stations or sh- shopping centers that have charge points a lot of them can charge at 22 kilowatts or even 50 kilowatts or higher mm-hmm. so what this means is they can charge at different speeds and can charge a lot quicker, but one, they might, you might have to pay for that service, Yeah. such as like just filling up with petrol. There might just be an electric, a fast electric charger next to it rather than the petrol pump. Um, the type of the charger, and yeah. the speed at which you can charge, yeah. are the two determinants that I would say that affect it. So the fastest you can charge at the minute is I think the latest Porsche, the fancy right. electric so out, car, right? yeah. that can charge, if you've got a charger, that can charge at the top speed, it can do 18 minutes. From 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 empty to full, zero to hundred percent. They did a the test. so I'm I'm That's using good. old metrics. There. Yeah, petrol tank empty yeah. to full, zero to hundred percent. So it's basically the like battery. battery. It's basically like your iPhone, your Android phone. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. So yes. yeah. mindset, gotta get rid of Yeah.
1: That. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it really depends on where you charge it. The vehicle involved, yes. right, and the, and the size of the battery. Yeah. So Tesla can go further, but it might take longer to, to charge depending yeah. on where you charge it. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're sort of getting onto the crux of it here. Is, um, so I read, and you'll feel free to correct yeah. me on this, I read that apparently Tesla Model S, it's battery storage of about 100 kilowatts. Yes. Uh, if you charge during the daytime, you're looking at probably something like, what, 35p per kilowatt. That's
0: if you charge it on these rapid charges. So right, that would okay. be a company putting the um it's the price of how much of the energy on the market and then they're putting it on top to make a profit. To make a profit. So, so if you went to a supermarket, for example. Yeah, or a charge po- or, or a petrol, petrol, station, petrol station, station that had a charge point, that's the type of cost you'd see. Right. Whereas if you were to charge at home, the typical cost at the minute, the rough cost is about fourteen to fifteen pence per kilowatt hour yeah. for your energy. And there are even some quite good deals at the minute with some of these new up and coming energy firms, such as Ovo Energy, Octopus Energy, Yeah. where they do a nighttime energy tariff, uh, right. and even drops it to five pence per kilowatt hour. Oh, so it's coming it, so that, it is yes. worth looking around in the market yeah. of where, where you're charging what you're charging. So it, one solution is it would probably always be able to charge at home and charge at night, because then one, you don't have to do that, un- the inconvenience of going to a petrol station. And then two, you can get cheaper charging. But three, that does determine that you have a driveway or a garage, which then you could argue that is then only playing to the hands of wealthier people who actually have those of things in their homes. Yeah.
1: But the interesting thing was, yeah, thirty-five p per kilowatt, hundred kilowatt battery. Yeah. On the, this is the expensive option, yes. right? Daytime potentially at a yeah you know, a petrol station, petrol station yes. or something connected to market, something like that. That that leaves you with a cost from empty to full during the day of £35. Yeah. Now, for example, I can tell you, <laughs> I'm giving something away here, a VWT rock yes. um, at today's prices from empty to full with its fuel tank would probably cost, and that's just a one litre, right, yeah. petrol, would probably cost anywhere between 45 to £50 pounds just to fill up during the day. Yeah. But what's interesting with the, what I read is that from empty to full, that's during the daytime. But at night, with a Tesla Model S, you're looking about twelve pence. Yes. So, hundred kilowatts, twelve pence per kilowatt means you're only looking at twelve pounds. So it's yeah. quite a big saving just on just the fuel, fuel maintenance. On the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah on, on on fuel, just just on fuel. That yeah. is. Yeah. It's significant. Yeah. And if we are doing it from home and you're using the solar option or various other yeah. green options, presumably those prices come down considerably again because there's yeah. no one throwing yeah. their margin on top. Yes.
0: Right. So that's the type of, that's the correct thinking of going away, correct thinking of how to look at electric vehicles. So right. instead of just thinking about the purchase price as the sole determinant in your decision, you need to be thinking about that, the total cost of ownership. How much is it going to cost you throughout the lifetime that you're going to own the vehicle? I think that's that's going to, that's going to be, have to be another change of mindset thing for individuals who are changing from the typical petrol to this diesel mentality. Where I think a lot of people aren't aware that all the the increases in petrol and diesel it does eventually, if you looked at it across your lifetime, it probably has risen significantly. Yeah. Whereas you'd hope with, although you could argue that electricity costs could rise and that's a factor, but you'd hope that with development of renewable energy and us, such as earlier in the year there was the two weeks without coal that that could help sort of flatten out the cost of energy and maybe make it more stable than petrol and diesel are affected by things such as war and um, shortages like problems and problems in Iran yeah, for example that can affect Syria you, all these sort of issues where you hope least... the rise of electricity as long as it's done through offshore onshore wind power big solar farms maybe some forms of hydro. They might even have to think about nuclear to meet the demand. Um, the, the energy mix, they're going to have to look into that. You know, that would be more stable than petrol, diesel sources.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I think um, the green options are good, but they. I'm not sure they can sustain humanity given this rate of increase. Yes. Uh, and, therefore, and, and, and fossil fuels are struggling. Yeah. And therefore, what you mentioned just now, the nuclear option. Yeah is probably the big thing going yeah. forward. I think there's something called nuclear fusion. Yes, It's sort of yeah. ha- harnessing the power of a star on Earth. Very yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. And they don't know how to contain it yet, but this seems to be the potential yeah. route. Yeah. So, you know, it is clear. Um, and we. I, think, I like the fact that you say a change of mindset, because a change of mindset suggests that we just look at filling up the fuel tank in the car as a cost. Yeah. But actually, it's an investment. Yes. It allows us to go to places. It's part of yeah. our freedom. Yeah. And, and therefore, the mindset of an entrepreneur, or business owner, with a fleet of cars or a company car is, yeah. yes, it costs money to charge it. Yeah. But this is this is a more cost-effective investment that will yeah. enable employees or the owner to go to places to do important
0: things. Yeah. And definitely have a period of time that helps you how you can recoup the costs of that upfront yeah. purchase price of an electric vehicle. Okay,
1: so that's interesting. So, I mean, I think we've really sort of covered there why electric vehicles are beginning to make sense.
0: Yes. So, I so suppose the other big points there are just the service and maintenance. Yeah. So, there's just less moving parts inside the car compared right. to an internal combustion engine, which is what propels the, di- the petrol and diesel car. Um, so, this is like cylinders, yeah. chains. So, depending on Manufacturing model, they roughly estimate it's between 2,000 to 3,000 parts for a um, petrol diesel. Whereas I think it drops something to crazy. two to 3,000? Yes. Wow. For all those individual pieces to make up those cylinders and engine parts. Um, right. But it drops about 20 to 50 if you go to a battery chain, because it's basically just big packs next put next to each other and then made sure they connect. Right. That's the main parts. As well as then a the motor that when that battery packs are charged up, they can propel the wheels to move indeed yeah. um so there's less parts then then that means you should see a reduction in your service and maintenance costs if the car is driven like i suppose what's the word efficiently you're not always slamming your brakes you're anticipating braking you're anticipating accelerating you're not just rationally making decisions that's when electric vehicles that's how you preserve the battery for longer as well Right. And make the range last longer if you drive so them I more feel efficiently. Efficient driving, yeah. yeah. And they've even got technology these days called regenerative braking, so yes. Kinetic energy from the curse brakes means that if you anticipate braking, you do it efficiently, sort of instead of just a slam, the energy produced. Instead of currently, it's just heat energy, it yes. just it's just blown out into the air, yeah. It's actually sucked back into the battery and it produced. It's not a perfect, it's not going to give you 100% of the battery, but. Helps you maintain a little bit more battery life. So, that's a general advocate of being sensible while driving. Is,
1: is that like all um, kinetic energy recovery systems? Is that right? Yeah.
0: Uh, good question. That's something I'll I catch up on. I that think, I think
1: yeah. the only reason why I think they it's used to F1. use something like that in F1. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it's the probably same similar, concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so servicing is potentially a lot cheaper because so of far less moving parts. Yes. Okay, insurance? Insurance similar, is a presumably. tough one,
0: so unfortunately the way it stands now, yeah. it's actually a bit more expensive. Right. And the reason for doing this is the breakdown recovery services, so predominantly AA and the RAC, as well as there are others out there yeah. today now, but they're the two still major players. Um, they just don't have as much staff and as m- many people trained as to what to do if an electric vehicle breaks down. And then the insurance providers then think this is a risk. Right. So then they've put the process up while. Because a breakdown car is seen as a risk. I yeah guess. So while this sort of period of training new employees, making sure people have like dual skills, because it's going to be a transition where we're going to see probably petrol and diesel and electric cars. And as just the you type. need sort of all these type of skills in your employees so while this is going on. And the breakdown and recovery firms are figuring this out. Yeah, the insurance actually is a bit more expensive today. It's a little more bit more expensive. Things. But you can weigh that up
1: with the. You know, fuel costs energy sort of fuel savings. Cash. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. The improvement in servicing costs, presumably. Yes. Okay. The cost of charging we've covered. So. <clears throat> okay, and you you sort of mentioned we're, we're sort of into a transitionary phase. Yes. Right. So, already we have Teslas, Renos, Nissans. I think you know, Porsche got theirs. A Jag. Yeah. I think V W is said to have a lot of
0: technology in this area, but I don't know if they've released much. So they yet. did an e-golf a sort yes. of a tester. So yeah. It was just basically a golf, the same body and is that same style yeah. as your typical golf, but they just put the battery in just yeah. so they could do it. Unfortunately low range, so it wasn't that well received on the market yeah. for how much it costs. But next year they're doing a whole new range that is entirely electric. Right. Dedicated to electric and they've been buying up sort of startups and battery cell makers in this field to to be able to do this and then there's a big range with the ID range coming out next year so it's going to be like an electric camper van a sort of Golf S car called an ID.3 as well as a few other models coming to market. Golf popular company car yeah. right yeah
1: so okay, so one of the world's biggest car makers along with terms yeah. of some of the others we mentioned is also entering the market on this so yes it's safe to say we really are in transitionary phase now yes um, and this is the beginning potentially of the end for petrol, and that seems a long yes. way off. But once, once you get the alternative coming in and people are yeah. adopting it and using yeah. it, so this is beginning the end for petrol. Yes. Okay. So, we cost of charging. What about the infrastructure? We said, yeah. you know, some petrol stations, supermarkets, yeah. your home. But if you're out and about, yes, are on a long journey, what do you do? You know, you can't be certain yet. No, that you're gonna find the charging point. So, is there a solution to that? Is there something electronic or mobile-based that you can use? So there are to locate charging areas.
0: Yes, there are a few solutions out there. The government has actually been quite good in the last few months of releasing money into the sector. Yeah, Riverwood multi-million-pound projects, and there's a there's even two going on in Oxford, such as Park and Charge and Virgin Park and Charge, that are going to allow more charge points to come to the area. but yeah, you're right that it is it, again, if you're going to do a long journey electric vehicle above your range and you know you're going to have to stop, you are going to plan this. And one yeah. of the best ways to do that is to sit down with a company called zap-map.com. Yeah. And it shows you all the charge points up and down the United Kingdom. Yeah, um, The one downside to this, and this is where technology is going to hopefully come through later, is it, it's not always entirely reliable if the charge point is sort of booked by someone else, if there's another car in its way. Um, if if it's down for service and maintenance it's not always entirely it's a very it's a user-based system so users report themselves to those things so it's not entirely always up to date it's not the manufacturers updating it but what we hope to see in the future the next point of like development to charge points it's going to be mandatory for them to sort of have these features where they let all the applications where you book them know that they're down and they're sort of up, down for maintenance, yeah, maintenance there's, there's yeah. a car already in that spot you can book them so if if you're fortunate to be a tesla owner there's such a thing as the tesla supercharger system and that's a bit more more ahead where that's like an app based system it tells you where all the chargements are it tells you what, if there's ones that are available there yeah so all the other manufacturer chargements are going to do that in the future and what's been announced earlier this week is a thing called a roaming agreement right so how it was before i'd say last week is it was a bit confusing where you either have to be a member of about 12 different apps. Right. There's so many different <laughs> providers. So then you pay through the app and scan your phone and the system and it lets you charge. Um, the roaming agreement has meant you only have to be a member of one of the apps, but you can now access all of the different manufacturers. This is going to help alleviate headaches. Okay. As of, and as of next year, next April, the government has made it mandatory that they have to have contactless payment. Okay. Again, the only problem with relying on contactless payment is. The apps are going to become increasingly clever. So is the hardware out of the charge point to tell you like if they're booked and if you want to book them for a period, if you're relying on just rocking up and paying by a contactless, you can't guarantee that they'll be a charge point free. Right. So that's why sometimes it's worth having an application and hopefully you'll see these improvements and software updates in the coming months that tell you that this one's free, this one's going to be in free five minutes, this one's unfortunately down with services and maintenance. And hopefully all that information, just you'll be able to access it via phone so for short
1: journeys it works well yes for longer journeys good. the infrastructure is it's catching up it's, it's beginning yeah. and it's yeah. it's on it's way is yeah. kind of what you're saying okay so <clears throat> I think this this gets to the sort of heart of what you've discussed in some of our blogs yeah is that electric vehicles are becoming a viable alternative to a company car or a fleet yeah. of company cars um, or there's the other option that yeah. Organizations can use whereby I'm an employee. I need mm-hmm. to get to a regional office or whatever it may be, yeah. or a client. Yes, and so I use my own personal car to yeah. get there and come back, and I charge the expense yeah. to the business that I work for. Yes, No grey fleets is that correct? Yes, that's right. correct. Yeah. Okay, we'll come onto that in a second. <laughs> so, on a cost basis. Electric vehicles are very much coming and could replace a company car or a fleet of company cars. Correct.
0: Yes. So I, the simple answer is, I say it depends on the fleet. Sure. So if it's a light commercial van, as discussed earlier, or if it's a, a, a fleet of cars, yeah, and they're just used for yeah client meetings, going to training, visiting another office, by that's owned by your employer, yeah, things like that, that they're perfect, especially if you're very sort of location based business. So you only work in Oxfordshire where you go to the surrounding counties and you're not driving up and down the country. As a territory right, London, Greater London. Yeah, that have the ultra low emission zones coming in as well yes. as there are much more of those about to come into force up and down the United let's, Kingdom. Let's, let's talk cities. about that later as well, <laughs> okay. yes, for sure. So I'd say if those are the, your fleets, this is very, very much achievable today. And there are crossings to be had as long as you again need to be making the utilisation. And that's where then it should maybe be encouraged that if a lot of your vehicles aren't achieving high utilisation, why don't you just sort of bring down the number of vehicles you own right. and then install smart, a smart solution, such as a hardware piece that allows the phone to become like a shared, uh, the car to become a shared one, bookable and unlockable by your smartphone. Ad, yeah, yeah. so there's hardware solutions that allow you to do that today.
1: Is there a particular company or
0: app that, that does that, enables that? So we can actually do that ourselves. So we okay. know about that solution. hello uh, LOEV? As, yes, as a okay. through through some of our partners. So it's a similar solution to say, Zipcar. Yes. But instead of Zipcar, all owning all of the cars on the road, the idea here is there's a lot of fleet cars around that maybe are once they get to four pm they're not used or they're just stuck in a car park. Right. So why can't these then be opened up to employees outside of business hours, which then the app can allow to do this, and then the employees maybe even be charged a small fee for that per pence per hour. For personal work. usage? Yes, right, and yes. that could help recoup some of the costs for the business, potentially right. potentially another revenue stream. And then, as well as it can help to discourage single car ownership if you're fortunate enough to have public transport or walk- walkable routes or cycle lanes to your workplace, you could try and encourage the use of that. If employees know when they need to run an errand or they need to go on a weekend trip, they can book a car yeah. available for them. Okay. Yeah, because unfortunately the way it is now, a lot of cars are actually a bad investment decision for a lot of individual people. Unless you're doing a very high mileage, as soon as you go out of the dealership with one, the value drops so significantly. Unless you're driving every day, um, it's, they're not really worth having. And the car manufacturers got away with yeah uh, sort of a lot of, uh, maybe brainwashing is probably a strong term, but they've uh, <laughs> influenced a lot of people that... Owning them is always the right case, but in it's, it's a lot of cases, it's not. It's a very expensive asset to have that does lose value quick. I presume it's
1: an expensive value to have and it loses its, it loses its value quickly because the moment you take it off the fork and it starts rolling, it, it loses money yeah. um, rapidly. Those first year or yeah, two yeah. Is greatest decline in value, right? Yes. But um, the other, I guess it's not very efficient or effective, is it? Because yeah. I think I read somewhere that we most cars spend 80 to 90% of their time parked. parked. Yes.
0: So they're not in use. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: so then the, if there's a solution whereby more cars were open to be shared, that could help yeah, free up car parking spaces, potentially reduce congestion, if you were then sharing with other people while going on your journey. It's a few, again, it's a mindset thing, and a few things we're gonna have to be thinking of. So the, the big message is if you've got a fleet, yeah, you need to start monitoring how often is your
1: fleet actually in use? Yes. And then can you reduce it yes. down? Can yep. you replace it with electrical vehicles, electric yes. vehicles, uh, and then manage the th- fleet through an app booking system or the like you've just described?
0: Yep. To encourage sharing and then and, and and get higher. So high it's effective use of assets. Help in reduction of costs. And, and reduce yep. the cost of investment. And then hopefully it would reduce the tailpipe emissions as well, because if you want electric, so they don't produce emissions, in their use, so they yeah. do produce emissions in their production, but not D- during their depends use. Depends how you charge, well, it depends, wh- yeah, where, depends where it's charged where charge from, from, how, where it you know, goes we'll go back to the nuclear
1: argument. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah. Okay, so, there's, so does that mean some business people out there might be thinking, yeah, that's all well and good, but I don't have company cars, I let people use their own private vehicles, and that works yeah. just fine. What, what would be the issue with that then?
0: Yeah, so there's quite a few arguments. I think a lot of people have been having great fleets in as company policies as maybe yeah. it's just an easy thing, it's sort of out of the way, they don't really have to deal with it. Uh, but there's quite a number of reasons why you should begin to look at it and why it's quite an important thing. So 45 pence per mile is the current rate that HMRC says you have to reimburse an employee if they yep. drive their personal car to a business-related event uh, for the first 10,000 miles for that employee. So that's quite a high figure Yep. for one to the average age of these vehicles owned by employees is something like 8.2 years they're not that's that old. old yes that's what the british vehicle leasing BVL RA leasing and rental association said in a report a few years ago right so very old vehicles a lot of people have which means they're not as well maintained they're not as well serviced and another they're at risk they're at risk of more like breaking down so then there's less productive for your employees or an accident, or an accident if they're not well looked after um so the question then is who is that risk to yes yeah, so that's another important point a lot of I think companies maybe don't have the time they're not checking if their employees are if you're driving for business and personal use, you need to have an insurance policy that reflects that yeah but we've seen that a lot a lot of businesses and organizations aren't actually checking their employees have these in place so if, if, if your employee was on the wrong type of insurance but driving for business. There's a potential you could be liable as an organisation for corporate manslaughter if there was an accident. A horrific accident on the roads. So touch with that never happens. But these things they could there is a there's a risk there to be had and that should be these things should be thought of because that could be quite damaging to an organisation if that makes it. I mean, well odd. how could you check it other than someone's word? So I think you'd have to just ask to check for paper. You would have to. Another thing, for example, is, is business an insurance. An employee legally obliged to provide that information? That's um, a very good question. I, I don't they know. Business. That. There might be a site because I don't know. But yeah, I think yeah, I check the board. There's the other thing is, such as business insurance doesn't. You're not allowed to have business insurance if you have more than six points in your driving license. Right. So there's even some checks there that maybe you, you should, as an as an employer be checking driving licenses. That yeah. could help. Yeah. Then and then we just figure out if they can get beyond the correct insurance or not. Um, but that's why bringing in-house can help you to reduce those costs. So actually, again, if you take a long-term approach, look at this, if you were to buy an electric vehicle, and say you were a five-year lease, because with the influence batteries, they will be lasting that length of time. So sure. that means that allows the monthly cost to come down if you're taking out a long-term lease. And then you open up to the employees that had to do that grey mileage every now and then, you just ask them politely to use this shared vehicle through a smartphone application. And then you, they booked into it. You provide insurance to that vehicle. You made sure it was all right and proper. Um, you checked their driving it license it to make sure they could be on that yeah. business insurance. Yeah. Then, as long as the utilization, if you're getting between 25,000 miles per annum, you can get about th- between thirty to forty pence per mile. Cost ratio, which is better than the 45 pence per mile you're paying for your employees anyway. Right. So it's definitely so it's a saving. Yes. The more miles you do, the better it is. Yes. Yeah. So if you have a large great number of road fleet drivers, it is definitely worth looking into. And I guess it's almost
1: impossible. You know, we said, oh, can you check the insurance? Well, I guess you can. Yes. But checks of vehicles, checks of employees' vehicles, how are you going to do it, you know? Yeah, so going
0: back to your growth rate, yeah, you can't. We all know that
1: we've all had the services where we've had a service and then maybe, you know, the vehicles, as you say, eight years old, goes in for a service and its MOT comes out and then next thing you know, two months later, it's got a fault. Yes. So, so very yeah. difficult for an employer to
0: monitor all of those monitor things. All those a lot things. of people don't have the time to be able to do that. Um, I'd be so curious, and I'm not saying
1: you'll know the answer to this, but I'd be curious to sort of know if the vehicle is found to have a fault in it and it's in an accident, who's well, culpable in those yeah, circumstances? So then brought back into the employer.
0: I suppose if you were driving for business and not properly insured, then it's probably With a bit of that, business. But then if, though, you, yeah. if you, then failed a test knowingly and then drove in your car, yeah. maybe it'd be half and, and half. The individual or Cause half and because half because maybe you were cause driving for business. Still, over so some only the employer to check, is that yeah. I assume? Yeah, because you're driving for business purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So the vehicles of so carrying are, out work is, is for business Yorker. purposes. Yes, yeah. for that period, if it's in working hours and you've been required to go somewhere as a, as a result of business. So there are risks to grey fleets that yeah. maybe people, people don't necessarily
1: no. always think through fully. No. Or realise.
0: Yes. Okay, so it's definitely so EVs again. It's another good case for EVs. Yes, and they're easier to be maintained, easier to be looked after. You'd hope that the all, all those benefits
1: we mentioned earlier yeah. would be lower. Okay, so we also know that um, things like emission zones, yeah, are very
0: much here and coming. Yes, is in more coming? Yeah. Can so you tell us a bit more about some of that. Yeah. So as probably a lot of people are aware, especially in the southeast, there's been the ultra low emission zone, so also known as ULES in London. So this yeah. is now a charge on top of the traditional congestion charge you'd have experienced anyway. Right. That's come into force. That means all cars that don't meet a certain sort of emission point, so it's a certain grams per mile yep. of emissions are charged. CO2, in, right? CO2 yep. um, are charged a certain fine. Yeah. And then there's another fine that's come into recently is if you're... Having one of these dirtier vehicles, and you park in a in a central area, I think it's ju- certainly in zone one at the minute. It might have been rolled up to zone two in London. You're, in terms of the underground zones, yeah, yeah, you're charged a higher fee right. for parking. For parking, and then a lower fee if you turn up with a green vehicle. Okay, a few other measures come to f- into force, and then Birmingham and Leeds were going to follow suit. They were. There's a few acronyms flying around that are going to cover all these. So, clean air zone is the wider term. Yep, and then. Places such as London, everyone's coming up with their own sort of individual acronym. So <laughs> Oxford is going to be called the Zero Emission Zone, for instance. It's right. going to be three or four central streets right in Oxford. And it's just right. going to be applied it's to... a very areas. small zone, isn't it? It's yeah. Exactly. And for yeah. The in first, In Oxford, sorry. Yeah, for the first three years before it's rolled out to the wider city, um, it's just going to be sort of like commercial vans and vehicles that are sort of parking or idling. So sort yep. of delivery vehicles yep. within a certain time period. So as long as if you're before or after there, you can still drive with a, a dirtier vehicle, but then you're going to be in force somehow. They haven't announced how yet, but if you do it within that period, you could potentially be fined heavily. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but Birmingham and Leeds are following suit. I think one thing that stalled theirs was supposed to be the beginning of 2020 as well, like Oxford's, uh, but I think the government was due to make some technology that would allow them to monitor it. The, the reason London can do it is they have a lot of cameras, they've got a lot of sophisticated sophisticated technology yeah. unfortunately a lot of cities throughout the UK just aren't at that level of sophisticated don't yet, have so that level
1: of CCTV so yes. sure it basically, Yeah, right?
0: and other c- clever features um, I think the government's going to come up with something for Leeds and Birmingham but unfortunately been held back to some of the technologies <laughs> <Brexit. Yeah. laughs> some of the technologies are holding, holding the implementations back okay. of how to because cool. it's going to be a tricky task to measure and monitor the dirty vehicles and the ones that are clean etc but, but this, this is something that's coming, presumably yes. a
1: great revenue raiser for the government, potentially, yes. with all the,
0: yeah, I'd say in the petrol next, and
1: diesel vehicles on out there emitting CO2. Yeah. yeah, If
0: they can charge them extra for parking, they will. Yeah, so how is, you're going to see a proliferation of this in the next five to ten years. And although it's only starting with cities, so I know we've mentioned Birmingham, Leeds, London, Oxford, I think other places such as... Glasgow, Brighton, they're all looking into it as well. You may see it in towns. Yeah. I mean, as far as if, if cities do it, why wouldn't towns follow suit if they know they've got an air quality problem? Um, so, yeah, and it's also going to affect individuals as well. So, in London, it already affects individual drivers, and in Oxford, it's from 2025, it will affect you as an, you as an individual, and yeah. that's the date it rolls out to a wider area as well. So, if you came in for shopping, you could be at risk. At risk. Um, the other important thing to note is maybe workplace levies are coming in, and what okay. this means is... Businesses who have car parks, this has been in Nottingham City Council implemented this twenty twelve and other cities that are beginning to take note. I think Oxford are now doing sort of a report on whether to introduce it or not. If you're in a car park, they think they think they're gonna tax you for each car park you have. Okay. And then this might encourage you to come up with an innovative solution such as car sharing, such as using more public transport to get to to encourage employees to get to work. Yeah. And then encourage things that way. So that be as an employer that'd be something to look out for as well. Work, workplace levies and why you should keep your eye out on thinking of innovative solutions of moving your employees from home to work and from meeting to meeting. Wow. Things to keep up to date with. That's interesting. What well, one thing we didn't
1: sort of really cover was um, taxation of the vehicle.
0: Yes, very good point.
1: And and things like M O T as well. Yeah. How how does that work for electric vehicles? Is it
0: different? Is it is it cheaper? I think MOT is roughly the same. Okay. I think you'd hope to see this just. I think it'd be the same. Just need more cost. supplies to be able to do it. Presumably yeah. But do it well. Yes. Yeah. That's the okay. correct way of thinking. And then the vehicle excise duty. That's where you save money at the minute. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if they introduce something else to then. What what sort of saving do you achieve on the vehicle excise duty? I think it's about a hundred. You don't have to pay. It's a hundred pound fee per year. You okay. do not have to pay. I believe. No. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So that's the tax, as well as if you're fortunate enough to have a company car scheme and you get benefit in kind taxation applied to you as a result of that. If you have an electric vehicle from April twenty twenty onwards, that will be zero percent taxation. Okay. So you'll you you will have higher take home pay. Okay. If yeah. you're an employee who has that option in that within their company, and you choose a zero emission uh, battery electric vehicle that is 100% electric or a hybrid that can do over 130 miles on a single charge. On a single charge, right, wow. Yeah. Yeah. To achieve that. Excellent. So what's next with EVs? (laughs) Very good question. So the big, what's coming around the corner? Um, so yeah, I think it's all the things we've discussed. So the cars are going to just get smarter and smarter. They're a bit like phones. They can, if, they, if you connect them to your Wi-Fi, so yes. they're near your home, um, they can update automatically. And this makes me. Software updates? Yes, okay. so that's how the cars- Patches, that yeah. kind of thing. So that means you won't need to take them into a, a manufacturer or a service place just to get them updated with software, which is quite what? a nice feature. The, oh, so oh, the car will detect its own faults? potentially yeah maybe warn you about that I think that, some of the things big thing, isn't it?
1: plugging in to yes. detect electric faults yeah you automatically get charged by
0: Ford or whoever 80 pounds <laughs> just to plug it in yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's cars a get smarter there'll be things mm-hmm. such as like batch management storage more so, so which will allow you to like collect energy and charge a car with that energy at a different period so you don't always have to charge when the sun's there there's another important development coming, coming called vehicle to grid right so Nissan's vehicles can already do this as well as some of the other manufacturers this means basically you have a big battery in your vehicle yeah and as you said a lot of people just leave their cars parked for either overnight or during their working day yes so if you there's an opportunity that during peak hours for the grid such as half time at the football World up when everyone turns on their kettle yes. the peak goes flying up <laughs> this energy in your battery <laughs> grid goes down, down. yeah the grid goes <laughs> down so when the grid needs more if everyone well if a lot of people have these now big batteries just sat in their driveways, garages right wherever it may Less be on the national grid they can sell that energy back to the grid ah okay right. and yeah. then the grid can help to just normalise things so at peak times they take energy at off peak times they put it back into your car so you're going to see that and then you'll, you'll be will like energy sharing a little bit yes so and you'll be able to make money from that so as an individual you can sell your power back to the grid because if my time. usage
1: is low during peak times yes and not too high during off yeah. peak yeah yeah. then the surplus I can sell, sell back, back to
0: the grid. Yeah. At, at, a, at a profit yes so you'll probably begin to see that in like there'll be more smartphone applications that come through doing this maybe the manufacturer of the vehicle you buy will introduce their own smartphone application that maybe you just get a notification on your phone going the, the grid needs more power are you happy so, to sell it back to them? So suit businesses with
1: a lot of people making use of vehicles on night shifts or that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So they okay. could get
0: a vehicle
1: there, yeah. And so presumably, presumably the batteries lifetime. Yeah, they'll will get better and better. The range of better. decline will improve, although you're saying it's pretty good already.
0: Yeah, so there's a few advancements coming. So it's about they think they're just gonna pack more and more cells into the batteries, so this means right. you'll even from the same size battery you have now, you'll be able to get more power out of it. Okay. And you'll be able to go further. Um, they think other things are happening such as solid state batteries, batteries made out of graphene and foam. And then what oh, they yeah. hope this means is the downside to having an electric vehicle is it is still made from the battery is still made from a rare earth metal. Right. And a lot of these come from uh, normally less economically developed countries such as the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. And Africa, there's been yeah. there's been reports the of, continent of Africa, yeah. There's been reports of not very good working conditions, child yes. labour, yeah. um, where these batteries are made. Ever since even when they're being made for laptops and phones, it's the same issue. Yeah. Um, so what you'd yeah. hope to see if there's another development that comes along, that one is maybe made from more recyclable material more material that's easier to get hold of and, and lasting longer lasting longer and then hopefully yeah. it will mean less people are exploited but so the negative to that is then that might take away an African nation's <laughs> revenue source of uh, income, source of income. Yeah. so it's a, it's a tough subject they're going to have to someone is going to have to figure that out and as everyone Moves to battery packs and yeah, with your solar panels, with your electric cars, if we use up batteries where demand will soar. Right. After, and there's only so much rare earth metal in the ground, yeah. so it's not the entirely the best solution. Uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. But having said that, the batteries, as the technology is getting better and better, it's predicted they're gonna like majorly fall in price. The big point is, I think a hundred dollars per. Kilowatt hour per back for a battery. That's the key they want to get. I think at the minute something like one hundred thirty six to one hundred seventy two. Okay. Is when they get that is when they achieve price parity with right. a petrol diesel vehicle. Right. And they think that we be between like between twenty twenty one to twenty twenty three. So it's coming. So oh, that's nice when head. the vehicle will electrically will be the same price as the petrol diesel purchase price, and yeah. then you get all those additional the cost of ownership benefits as well. Those lower end models
1: are almost equivalent already. Yeah.
0: There's right. even been one recently, it's only been launched in China by Renault, for that model, but they released one for $8,000. Right. And that's a very low mileage car, but they're selling it as a city car. So it's only for people who live in cities. They know they only do very short trips to just buzz around the city. Uh, but that, yeah, so the thing, interest is coming, so, and I suppose the next big thing is there'll be much more makes and models available. If you're holding out and you, you love having certain makes, you love sticking with your model, whatever it may be, there is likely in the next 18 months or two years there's something going to be coming. an electric the version. of you. coming. Whether there's yeah, a Mercedes. There's a Mercedes coming out next year, but you like specific Mercedes or you like specific Volvo or whoever it may be, there will likely be something to cover your tastes mm. in the next few months, in the 18 months to two three year time period so batteries
1: will last longer going forward and and presumably generate more power as you say yeah um, but i presume you can i read somewhere that also i mean you said earlier lifetime the sort of decline in, in its capacity over its lifetime was not as bad anywhere near as bad as originally feared yes you gave an example of the nissan yeah a yes um and then another sort of van equivalent yeah um but presumably at the moment, if that's a problem, you can, I've I read some of you, you can actually, you can buy the vehicle, but not with the battery and then lease yeah. the battery, and then the battery gets replaced as part of the lease or something? Yes. So if you have a five year lease, you can replace it like every sort of yeah. two years or something. I, I don't know, is that right? Yeah, it depends on
0: the make and model. But yeah. so Renault doing that very sort of interesting approach where to, you buy the car for a lower price, yeah. and then you pay a monthly fee to basically lease the battery. You're yeah. so leasing a part of the car. Yeah. Um, and what this means, I think, whenever it gets to 60,000 miles on your mileage or it gets to, I believe it's six years, they, six years they come wow. around and just replace it for you. Okay. Um, that's if you own it outright. Yeah. I think with leasing, it maybe can be sucked into there, but obviously it depends on the length of your lease and who you're leasing from. So there you the lease provider might be doing that in the background and then just pushing the costs onto you. Yeah. Uh, but So that applies, I think, more if you want to own a Renault outright and then reduce the cost. That is one way to do so. Uh, the other manufacturers, such as Nissan and Tesla, they actually give a warranty. So, I think if you, whenever you either get to, I think it's eight years or 100,000 miles, they replace it for you. Okay. So, Great. there are warranties in place to cover you. But there are smart things going on as well. So, the way battery degradation works is there's a few things that can hurt them. So, whether they get too hot or too cold. Right, but I think manufacturers began to realize that so they began to put like thermal management in place. In case the battery. So, yeah, so if you live in the Arctic or the desert, I think they've now figured out that we're very lucky like in the UK. We're never going to experience those like extreme climates. We'll get like minus two maybe at winter, but we won't get extremes. Yeah. Um, but if you do live in those areas of extreme weather, they've figured out how to, to thermally manage them. Right, as well as the other big factors about. They call it a charging life cycle. So how many cycles of charging? So one cycle represents one charge. You can get out of the vehicle before the battery goes. And they think the biggest way to do that is just always charging for some reason between 65% and 75% full. So never (laughs) always, you know, like- Don't drain it. it. Yeah, so never always going to zero. Never always going to 100. Right. But just hitting that sweet spot and they think that can help it last even further. How strange. That's quite, so, so another mindset is I think this is unfortunately something that hasn't... Like, I'm always like this. I like getting my laptop. I like it and getting my phone to 100%. It's just, yes. I like doing that. That's just how I'm <laughs> wired. But I think we need to get in the fact, like, if you only need to make a 10-mile journey, your yeah. vehicle doesn't need to be 100%. True. And I think we need to begin to think like that. Like, it's a bit like the way we are with petrol and diesel now. You'd still go out with a third of a tank if you know you're going to have to go to the shops or yeah. you're going to visit a family member only in 20 miles away. Sure. You can do that with a third of a tank. Yeah. And we need to begin to think that we don't always need hundred percent, and that will help your battery last a lot longer. That sort of mentality, but I think manufacturers begin to combat that by putting buffers into the batteries. Okay. So they're not letting you go to. So if it says that you're at zero, you're actually at probably like 50. Safety if zone. If you say if it says you're at hundred, yeah. you're actually at about eighty. So it's then you're it's always. A bit of a safety net. Yeah, they yeah. call it a buffer zone. I believe. Is that so that where the red light comes on
1: or the yellow light comes on when you're yeah you low fuel. So do, do you really have 30 miles yeah. or is it a little bit more than yeah. just, you know, but I think that's playing that, with your mind to get you to get yeah. a petrol station?
0: And make the car just, yeah, because <laughs> I think it's a whole thing if they want the car to last longer, so they're trying to put it in measures like that, so you don't just kill the battery by always, always charging to 100 or always depleting to zero, or <coughs> keeping it in the desert. I think, I think one thing I
1: was surprised by is, um, particularly when the Teslas first came out, which granted is a while ago now, Yes, I always thought, oh, the move to battery looked inevitable didn't it it yeah. really does now especially with the, the call for a, a greener yeah. world and, and people yeah. to be more responsible but I always thought well move to battery would result in a lot of the electronic gizmos coming out of the car to allow the battery to do the prime objective solely yeah. really of powering the vehicle forward or backwards Yeah, and yet Tesla's are absolutely full of technology yes uh, you know, it's probably the biggest screen in a car is in a Tesla, yeah. I can't remember which model it is, yeah. X. <laughs> yeah,
0: the big, massive, um,
1: yeah. But presumably there's smart systems in there that sort of say, well, you don't need to be operating this, that, you know, air conditioning. Yes. Radio. Um, yeah. So presumably it's all quite smart, it's quite smart power usage going on within the car. Yes,
0: they Good. learn from that. Especially the Teslas. Teslas are renowned for just being a bit more sophisticated, a bit right. smarter. They've had a bit of a head, a jump start. Some of the it's manufacturing intelligent manufacturing. energy usage yes. of the battery. Yeah. Okay. So it's, the other thing to know about that is what you're saying is Tesla's gearing up for. They think their vehicles will be a fleet of driverless vehicles in the year to come. That's so where I was going. They're putting all these gadget gizmos in, so you can just watch films you can read the news you can yeah. listen to Spotify or yeah. whatever while on your way to work or a meeting so the battery the battery right.
1: capacity will have to improve because once the car goes driverless it's regularly connected yeah. and constantly um, thinking about what's next yeah. to it around it in front of it behind it yeah all these sensors will be constantly feeding into a, a, a chip a central processing unit so yeah so the the onus is for battery storage to be even better and the cost to be even greater
0: yeah especially if then the cars being sent off to collect other people all the time and basically it's just trying to be 100 percent utilized just use 24 7. um but yeah one thing important though drivers cars just they aren't entirely the future um as you see with uber and other private hire apps you can choose sort of single booking yes there's not always pool booking yeah what this could mean is we just have a proliferation of driverless cars driving around, picking everyone up. Uh, it's just going to event a you know, mass traffic jam, right. especially in there's a report earlier this weekend. So European and our road, our road layouts are older. They're not as sophisticated. We're not as a new country as the U S but even the us it's going to damage the us uh because they live in traffic jams in a lot yes. of major cities anyway but yes we've got even narrower roads yes. um we've got older infrastructure so it's more challenging it's, on drivers yeah they're gonna to have to work out a way of discouraging everyone just taking single-use trips like if you've got if there's a driver's circle with five seats you make sure it's got five people in it that's how you're gonna to have to help reduce congestion help reduce other problems help reduce yeah.
1: Huge traffic jams. Yeah, so we we really I got think. the blue sky sort of thinking of this, but yeah. okay. But there are some issues still to, to solve. Yeah, I was thinking. No, a, another, I think another one is the ethical issues for drivers' cars. Yeah, and battery. If reduction. it's an accident, if it's an accident, yes. How does it decide what and who? If it has to hit someone, who does it hit? You know, does yeah. it hit the cyclist, the motorcyclist, or the yeah. car coming out of the way? So all sorts of.
0: Yeah, it's the government and lawmakers. Dynamics at play yeah. as to, Yes.
1: What are the rules governing? An autonomous vehicle yeah. in terms of how it thinks.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, well, that's brilliant. Um, thank you so much yeah. for joining me. Is there anything else that we should yeah. know about before, before we wrap this up? <laughs>
0: yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, Hello EV, we're just here to help. We offer free fleet analysis to all SMEs, local organisations, charities in Oxfordshire to help them just understand if they can have electric vehicles in their fleet. Yep. Yeah. And if there are cost savings to be made as well, and as well as if there's an opportunity for them to become shared electric vehicles. Yeah. So not just so you work with them. loads of organisations doing this? Yeah, So we've been fortunate to work with the county council in Oxfordshire, City Council in Oxfordshire in Oxford City Centre, um, the university in right. Oxford. Okay. Yeah. And then as well as a whole host of SMEs and business parks and in that okay. region. So you help them with their, with their fleets? If yeah. We'll help fleets and yeah. converting them to electric vehicles? Data analysis, any advice they have on grants, on um, yeah, charge points, infrastructure, making yeah. some models. So there's um, a lot of
1: uptake already? You
0: know. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing what I say now is there's a lot of talking about it. A lot yeah. of, I think people preparing like to get their, head, <laughs> their mind and head around it, but yeah. the next day, unfortunately there is still that high upfront cost so if you're not in a fortunate enough position to be able to have that 5 to 10 year thinking so you may be an SME you may not have that in your cash flow it's still a a big ask to be able to think in that sort of long term mindset you might not be able to achieve those efficiencies if you can't out that also. So It, it costs, depends so. on your
1: sector, your organisation, the demands, yeah. the travel yeah. within that. And yeah. if you can
0: afford to do it with and your you resources available. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot. As well as it's not the perfect solution, we are going to have to see cities redesigned, towns redesigned um, to enable more walking, cycling, public uh, public transport, all those things are going to have to improve. So just changing one petrol diesel to one electric vehicle is 100% not the solution. Yeah. be. Okay. Thinking more radically to help solve these issues. Brilliant. Jake, thank you very much. Thank you for having uh,
1: me. The uh, revolution is coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, an interesting few years to come. Yeah.
1: A big thank you to Jake for joining me and being so informative. I look forward to listening back to this episode in a few years' time to gauge how things progress compared to the current predictions and the challenges we face at present. Be sure to tune in as I'll be back soon with another interview. In the meantime, do subscribe to Beyond the Numbers on your preferred podcast app. You can get in touch with your feedback using the hashtag Beyond the Numbers and you can tweet me at ThompsonCST and at WellersSME. Beyond the Numbers is a Wellers production. Till next time, I'll leave you with another quote from the English naturalist, David Attenborough, Human beings are good at many things, but thinking about our species as a whole is not one of our strong points.